Welcome to Good Medicine Explained. This is episode number four for the week of June 21st, 2020. I am your host, Dr. James R. Brown. Happy Father's Day to all the men out there listening. I hope this has been a good Father's Day week for you. The major issue before us currently has to do with infection. And that's our topic for today. Infections have had serious impact in human history. In the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic, it is estimated somewhere between 50 to 70 million people may have died as a direct consequence of that infection. In the CDC's report from 2018, infections such as influenza and pneumonia were the number eight cause of death in America, killing about 56,000 people that year. Heart disease, on the other hand, was number one in 2018 Uh, causing around 650,000 deaths. Cancer in 2018 was responsible for about 600,000 deaths. And accidents were about 170,000 deaths. So the top three conditions a few years ago being significant will change where infection lines up for the year of 2020. Now, I'm getting a lot of visits and calls to my office about infections, the COVID infection in particular, whether to have testing or not to have testing, what to do in case there is an infection and so forth. And so what I thought would be good today is to actually explain to the public what is actually happening when we are infected, when we have an infection, and how is our body responding, and how can we possibly enhance and improve our ability to defend ourselves from getting infected. Now, As far as the immune system is concerned, we break it down into two major uh, divisions. There is the innate immunity and there's the acquired. In the innate immune system, it's a system that is not very specific to a particular species of microorganism. In the innate system, it uses a couple of defense mechanisms. One of them is our physical defense. Our skin and mucous membrane linings serve as barriers to the invasion of microorganisms into our body. We also have in our innate system a chemical mechanism whereby gastric acid in the stomach or the lysozymes in our tears from our eyes can protect those organs. And then we have some 
innate microbe systems whereby certain places in our body, like in the genital urinary system, the area is inhabited by innate microbes that prevent other bacterias or viruses from invading that area. They kind of outcompete for space and for fuel sources for other organisms. And last of all, our next line of defense is inflammation, which is accomplished through complicated cascades of neurochemical exchanges, initially with mast cells and the release of histamine, which ushers in a cascade of other chemical events that promote the presentation of our immune defense cells. Now, in the acquired or adaptive immune system, it could take days or weeks to actually get that system in full gear, but it's very specific to address a particular genus and species of um, invading microorganism. It also has an innate ability to maintain memory of what that organism was so that on future exposures you can more quickly adapt and respond. The major types of cells that are engaged in this process uh, we call uh, macrophages. Macrophages are specialized cells that carry an invader, or what we call a, an antigen, to the lymphatic system where the acquired immune response can be activated. So the sites for the immune system would include the spleen, the lymph nodes, the thymus, and parts of our intestinal tract called the Peyer's patches. Once the acquired immune system has been activated, then sites that are rich in white blood cells, the T cells and the B cells, they become promoted. Now, there are two major types of T cells, but several others. You have the T cells that are helpers and take the antigens from invading cells to macrophages that are then amplified. We have what are known as effector T cells and memory T cells. And we have cytotoxic T cells, which destroy cells that are abnormal, even our own body cells if they become invaded by cancer or some other abnormality. They can be destroyed and removed. Our B cells, on the other hand, are activated after a pathogen has entered our body, but before it's had an opportunity to cause disease. It's also part of what we call the humoral immune response, whereby antibodies are produced 
specifically to attach to the pathogen and tag that pathogen for destruction by macrophages. And like the T cells, the B cells can have memory and recall and keep a record of previous invading organisms and microorganisms. So these specialized cells called leukocytes, white blood cells, can go anywhere around our body except to the brain or the spinal cord. There is a barrier in the nervous system that it prohibits uh, leukocytes from passing into those tissues of our body. The innate immune system has specialized cells that engulf and completely ingest a microorganism, and that's called phagocytosis. And so the cells called neutrophils in our body produce this particular function. If you look at a laboratory test called the CBC, or the complete blood count, sometimes they will have what's known as a differential, which kind of displays what percentage of your white blood cells are producing a certain cell line. And neutrophils are those cells that produce the phagocytosis process. And you'll sometimes see what's called a neutrophil count on your complete blood count. Now, macrophages, which are generally localized to specific tissue areas, can consume up to 100 microorganism pathogens before they die. There are other cells called natural killer cells that detect proteins produced by normal cells called the major histocompatibility complex, or MHC. Cells that are abnormal won't produce their identifying major histocompatibility complex proteins, and therefore your immune system sees it as abnormal and destroys that cell. Now, what many people ask is, Dr. Brown, how can I boost or enhance my immune system? Well, clearly, the barrier methods are the most apparent and easy thing to do. We have encouraged and recommended PPE, personal protective equipment, for everyone during this coronavirus pandemic. Wearing your mask, not just over your mouth, but also over your nose, where you are going to inhale some of the virus particle, or you may emit some of the virus particle if you're infected through a sneeze or just breathing heavy. So that is a very effective method. Of course, using sanitizers with about 80% alcohol is very effective in killing a lot of the viruses and things that we're prone to. Wearing gloves or some other added barrier is effective. In some cases, 
glasses or goggles to protect the eyes is another important way to prevent a less commonly understood entry through the mucous membranes of the eye. So there are several things along with the social distancing of about six feet. Because within six feet of your body, you are producing your own airspace. And if two people come within six feet of one another, they're actually sharing the airspace. And so particles that are being emitted from one person can be inhaled by the person that's closest to them. And so distancing by about six feet tends to minimize that process because most particles emitted would fall down to the ground in that distance. Another important thing to think about is the actual cleanliness of your environment. Cleaning your clothes is important. If you have an occupation or job or, or just a personal preference of wearing the same clothes uh, twice, try not to do that because you may capture particles on clothing that would survive and provide another opportunity for you to become infected. As far as treatments, you really have a few that the medical profession has found to be of some use. Vitamin D helps in particular in reducing respiratory infections. It aids in the ability of these specialized cells I spoke about called dendritic cells to activate T cells. And having vitamin D enhances that process. Vitamin C is also very effective. It supports the production of neurotransmitters called interferons. It also acts as a very effective antioxidant. It enhances that process called phagocytosis where cells are engulfed and digested. It enhances the production of cytokines, which are products that are released to amplify the immune response. There is a danger, however, in the case of people that are infected with the coronavirus that they sometimes get uh, a cytokine release of extensive amounts called cytokine storm, which actually has led to a worsening effect and is more of an ominous sign of uh, impending difficulty or death. But vitamin C is very effective in these areas. Another very important uh, product to get are micronutrients, uh, such as zinc and getting selenium and iron, copper, folic acid. These micronutrients have a cofactor type of effect on intracellular killing, cytokine production, and phagocytosis. Some people are 
advocates for using elderberry. Elderberry is actually abundant in vitamin A and vitamin C. And so the antioxidant and flavonoid effect from this product will protect our cells from damage. And then I think the other protective mechanism, of course, is your lifestyle. It's been proven in multiple studies that exercise enhances the immune system. I ask my patients to do 40 minutes of exercise four days a week. And so this 44 principle, I believe, helps keep people relatively healthy. Uh, During exercise, you're bringing oxygen into your body, which, again, has the antioxidant effect and uh, blocks free radical formation in our body and aids in a healthier immune system. Sleep is also very important. Giving our body that period of rest is also the time when our immune system is able to go into its production and to produce these products and cells to defend us. And not acquiring enough sleep will impede the immune system. There's a lot of concern and talk about stress and how stress affects the immune system. Uh, What we understand, of course, is that during stressful moments, we release our own indigenous corticosteroid called cortisol. And corticosteroids, uh, just in general, have an impact on what's called margination, the movement of cells across tissue spaces. So, for example, if you're trying to get your humoral immune response, which is the blood cells, to transfer across the wall of a blood vessel into the tissue, that could be impeded by the use of steroids or the presence of excess steroids. And so stress, as an indirect consequence, creates that kind of challenge. Now, this is not an all-extensive way of trying to protect you, but incorporating each of these factors in their own small way will make a significant improvement in your ability to ward off infections. So my takeaway points for this talk is that infections are invasions of our internal organ systems. And number two, we can support our innate immune system responses by utilizing good barrier methods such as the face mask and the gloves and the six-foot social distancing, that sort of thing. We can also enhance our immune resistance and support through our lifestyle, exercise, sleep, diet, supplements like vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and trying to keep our stress levels down to levels that don't overwhelm us. 
If this episode or any of the previous podcast episodes have provoked questions for you, be assured that I do regular Q&As on my Instagram account at jrbrownmd. You can submit your questions there through direct messaging. However, please know that I do not serve as a replacement or substitute for your own personal physicians, nor do I provide individualized consultations outside of my practice. Until our next opportunity, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be loved, and may you have a peaceful heart. Thank you. Thank you.